ladies and gentlemen, Dan Cathy. <laughs> This is for the questions. This is for the answers. Sit on down, sit on down. We ain't got much time. We ain't got much time. But make some noise if you love Chick fil A. I love it. I love it. All right, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. We got to get going. We got to get going. Dan, Kathy, thank you so much for being here, man. Um, I'm honored uh, to see how one man can build an empire and your father started Chick-fil-A, right? I want to know the journey. And Evan, if you could put up the slide, the progression of the, the, uh, the, the restaurants. From your perspective, watching Chick-fil-A being built, give me your perspective of seeing your father build this. Well, I saw it through the different stages of my own life. Uh, I like to jokingly tell people that I started going to my dad's little restaurant nine months before I was born. Uh, because my, my mother was a, a waitress at this restaurant and she had actually met my dad when they were back eight years old, uh, just, just, uh, children when they first, first met, my dad had actually fallen in love with Shirley Temple and who was a very famous child actress at the time. And dad jokingly said, when things didn't work out with Shirley Temple, Jeanette McNeil was next. And they grew up over here on the West side of Atlanta. But um, as a child, I had little jobs. This is if I wanted to spend time with my mom and dad, particularly my dad, he'd take us to work and we'd run around, you know, just kids. It was our, a, a playtainment concept for us. And we would have little jobs that we were assigned to do. Uh, one of my jobs I had uh, was to pull gum out from underneath the tables and chairs in the restaurant. Uh, back in the 50s, a lot of people smoked cigarettes. A lots of people smoke cigarettes and they would um, uh, put a piece of gum in their mouth to kind of clear their palate in order to enjoy the food. But that gum would always end up underneath the tables. So they had to give me a little knife and a fork and I had to scrape that gum underneath the, uh, underneath the tables. Of course, if it was a little stringy, you just let it sit there another day or two and it'd dry off and you just flick off real easy. So... Uh, those are the kinds of things you learn when you grow up in a, in a family business and being able to be there. But um, it's been a remarkable thing, you know, through my, as, as a child, as a teenager, my 20s, 30s, 40s, and here I just had my 69th birthday. So it's been amazing. I feel, sometimes I feel like, David, I, I feel like I've been uh, in the grandstands just kind of watching this whole thing evolve over, over the years. Uh, and, and sometimes I feel like I've been on the playing field. At some point, I want to come back and talk about that video that you just saw. So let's talk about it now. Can we talk about it now? Right now. Sure, sure. So let me share with you the video that you saw was from the blood benefit of 2019. And we had to skip two years because of COVID, but we came back this year. And we just had this event just a couple of weeks ago here in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I know we have some wonderful friends that are here from New York. And I was innocently watching 60 Minutes on television, 60 Minutes on Sunday evening, back uh, four, five, six years ago, perhaps. And it was the story of Paul Tudor Jones. Paul Tudor Jones was a hedge fund guy who made a lot of money. And he was convicted about the need for a social uh, net underneath the ministries and organizations uh, there in Manhattan. 
And so he had this event that he called the Robin Hood event in which they would raise 20, 30, 40 million dollars for 20 or 30 different social organizations in Manhattan. And I thought, man, we got the same challenges right here in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, could we partner together? So I, I approached Arthur Blank, who was the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, owner of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I said, could we, you and I partner to put together an event that we would have here in Atlanta? Didn't know what was going to call it, but we put together a group. Bernice King was very involved, as you saw here. Uh, John Lewis, the first time we had um, uh, Steve Harvey, of course, was our MC that year. And it was an incredible event. We brought in artists that were from Atlanta as well as outside talent that came in. Bruno Mars was a lot of fun. Uh, I was impressed that he and I are about the same eye level. Uh, I could see eye to eye with Bruno Mars. And it was a special. Uh, this past year, our focus uh, just a couple of weeks ago was on the issue of economic mobility. Uh, there are metrics from one metropolitan Atlanta to uh, from the other that measure your ability to be able to transcend out of poverty. And in the city of Atlanta, uh, it is recorded that there's only a 4% likelihood that if you're born into a family of poverty, only a 4% likelihood that you can escape that cycle. 4%. Only 4%. And Atlanta doesn't do very well. There are other metro areas that do better. And so our focus for this past beloved benefit was the whole issue of economic mobility. We were focusing in on organizations in education, entrepreneurship, financial literacy that could help people escape this, uh, this cycle of, um, of, of destruction, not able to be able to, to escape out of those cycles. A lot of it has to do with models that we have in our life, uh, educational opportunity, it goes on and on. But I'm happy to report that this year, Usher, uh, our own Atlanta Usher, uh, was the highlight of entertainment. He really put his heart and soul behind this thing. Uh, we had about a 40-minute conversation about a week later about how he wants to stay involved with us. But we were able to raise six, $6.2 million that went to eight different service organizations uh, here in Atlanta. So let me, let me ask you, how does someone qualify? How do you pick the people that you want to help? Is it organizations that practice, that teach financial literacy, or how do you qualify them? Yes. So Rodney Bullard, who heads up the Chick-fil-A Foundation, he's got a group of Atlanta leaders, and they're the ones that, as a committee, sit down and, and address what is going to be our focus for a particular year and who the beneficiaries might be. But all this money that stays right here in Atlanta. My point in, in sharing this with, with all of us here today is that we all need to get convicted about things that really matter. Uh, I love one of the comments, uh, quotes from Martin Luther King. He says, we begin to die when we quit caring about the things that really matter. Uh, and I don't want to die. You know, I, I want my heart to be moved. I want to be moved with conv conviction. I want my heart to be moved by compassion and to see the things that are going on around us and to know that we can use that power of conviction uh, to make a difference uh, in the life and the world in which we live today. We've got a lot of challenges that we know that are out there. And so I want, I want to, to share with all of you today that your convictions, uh, the passions of your heart that ought to drive us all and be our energy, and our ambition and motivation 
not only for, for business, but business and free enterprise system is a wonderful, wonderful institution to graze the lifestyle of everyone, that everyone can participate in, in a better life. Uh, better life is not just about prosperity, but better life is about joy and peace and happiness. And when you got joy, peace, and happiness that's filling your life, then it helps you make more, be more innovative, more creative. It helps you in all areas of life, including our relationships with our spouse and with our children, of course, as well. So I would say, encourage all of us to let those convictions resonate in your heart and to move you to the point that, hey, to say, we want to make a difference. We can't make a difference. We can't step in the gap. And uh, we can build a better Atlanta. And Atlanta's a home base. And I love spending money where I get to see the results of it, I love it. Uh, right here in the city of Atlanta. Yeah. It makes you hold the, mic, the, middle of the, mic, the middle of my hand. And that's, that's interesting. You said um, a family that's born into poverty has a 4% chance of getting out of it. But I was also reading another stat that said um, 80% of millionaires in the United States are self-made, meaning wealth doesn't really travel well. Because that tells me you have a 20% chance if your parents have money to give it. But what you've done, your dad built a big business and then passed it to you and you just passed it to Andrew. That is not normal. What's going on in these households? What's going on in the conversation that you are passing not only just wealth and information, but the ability to lead an organization like this? Well, I'm a, I'm a big believer in privately held family businesses. Uh, even Warren Buffett uh, out of Nebraska, of course, he's the org of, uh, of Nebraska, as he's sometimes referred to, but he loves to invest in family-owned businesses. Uh, if you think about the nurturing and the development of character. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. 
It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. That's so essential to business. The nurturing and the, the development of leadership skills, of compassion and understanding and encouragement and help and support for people. All those are wonderfully showcased in a family environment. The idea of forgiveness, uh, being able to have patience with people, work ethic, a caring, genuinely caring concern for the Those are wonderfully built in a strong family environment. And I was so thankful that I had that in my generation. Now, to be sure, my mom and dad did not have that as an example. So we don't have to be victimized based on our own particular family story or situation. My dad, uh, his father went through the depression my dad says he can never remember. It's hard for me. To, it's heartbreaking to think about this. He said, I can never remember my father ever saying to me, I love you. When my dad took his last breath eight years ago, the first thought that came to my mind, I hope my dad gets to hear, I love you uh, from, his, from his father. My mother uh, her father deserted her when she was just an infant, less than six months of age. She never had a father. And so between the two of them, they decided that the pendulum was going to swing the other way. And so they became just incredible, wonderful that parents. So we, we don't have to, but these, these family patterns uh, do get moved from one generation to the next. And so um, so I was so fortunate to have a dad that, that um, uh, loved people, loved hospitality. I saw the energy that it gave him and his passion, his joy. Um, I got that welled up inside me as well. One of my favorite, um, one of the great philosophers of our generation, Steve Harvey, who I think we may see again later today. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Steve is that the, uh, our career is what we're paid for, 
This is a little note. If you're taking notes today, this I'll tell you something that's worth taking notes, but this is a good quote to take a note of. He said, our career is what we're paid for, but our calling is what we're made for. And I do believe there is a God in heaven that kind of put us together and all the talents and abilities that, uh, that we need to try to explore in life. Even the circumstances of life, good or bad, are part of our life story. But regardless of that, if we can find not just a career, but if we can spend enough time to understand a call, God's calling on our life, what we were uniquely built to do, then that exceeds, it's, it's joy unspeakable to be working in the space of your calling. And uh, I was able to discover that when I was about 17 years old. So was your, was your father... Um pushing, you are going to own this next. This will be yours. Not, not at all. Uh, I, I, as I put two and two together, as I got older in life and my, my teenage years, uh, I began to realize that's probably going to be my responsibility or my duty. But at the same time, I knew that he knew that he wanted me to make my own decision about that. Um, it is a tremendous responsibility that we have. If you take the story of all of your lives as entrepreneurs and business people, if you were to script that out from one decade to the next and think about in a Cinderella story, if I'm able to make it, if I'm able to grow a business and succeed, who am I going to turn this over to? You know, I hope we would all have ambitions of living a life that's worthy to pass that on, you know, to a son or daughter. If you have a son or daughter, and they can be nurtured in that business. Uh, they get really, really smart. And I'll, I'll just simply say, you, you, are, you are washed and bathed and vocabulary in your life. Your whole, your whole ecosystem of life was nurtured in a positive, healthy you know, business environment. And I think you have a decided advantage, competitive advantage over the turnstile that we typically see, certainly in publicly traded businesses. Uh, our insights, we're able to roll up the insights. My dad was great on hospitality. In my generation, it was hospitality plus a, a Chick-fil-A app, you know, plus all the digital stuff that's going on, plus social media. So I had to take those fundamental truths and principles and I add relevance to it uh, during, during my generation. And that'll continue, I think, through the third, as you mentioned, uh, Andrew, my son, oldest son, is now the new CEO of Chick-fil-A as of November 1. And so, uh, yeah, wrap that up for generational <laughs> success. Because a lot of people, they teach on, like, you want to build something to sell. Build something to sell. And I'm sure you could have sold Chick-fil-A years ago. But is the design to keep it in the family forever? Do you think Andrew's going to keep it in the family forever? Well, um, my brother and sister and I signed a covenant agreement a number of years ago that we gave to our mom and dad. And one of those covenants of agreement is that we wanted to continue to be a privately held family business. Uh, fortunately, the growth of the business provides enough cash that it sustains our growth, that we continue to not only grow new restaurants, but also to reinvest in our existing restaurants as well. But um, we have to, we're working really hard because the, the, in the third generation, Typically, families grow faster than the business does. And so if you don't build an infrastructure, by the time you get into that second and third generation, 
of, of uh, we have committees and oh no no it's almost the organizational chart for our family which is about 65 of us now generation two three and four if you don't organize for that you can have come aparts you can have divisions you can have you know they're going to be marrying people are going to be marrying into the family and so you got to nurture their knowledge and understanding about how our family is going to operate that we're committed to getting along together we're not going to be divisive we're going to learn to share we're going to be respectful of one another we're going to let everybody have their own space yeah. you got you got to talk about all of that in a very open way y'all have family reunions do you have family reunions? How many family? Do you have a family reunion? Like we all oh, get yes. together once a year? Yeah, we, yeah. Can, play, I still, can I come? You have to take playtime. I want you to pull up. You have to take playtime very seriously. Uh, because that playtime, that informal just get in together kind of time, that's kind of like WD-40 uh, in, in, in the wheels of the family right. and keeping things smooth. So we just came back from a, we took our whole family, go down to New Smyrna down south of Daytona. We spent a week down there together, and uh, we got 37 in Generation 4, going from 16 down to two months old, and we had the announcement while we were down there, there's going to be two more members of Generation 4 in the oven, so to speak. So we're, we're nurturing that fourth generation. You know what's crazy? Like, you really take family seriously. Like, I couldn't tell you how many years in Generation 1, 2. Can y'all? Y'all don't know fourth generation. This is amazing, though. And are you, are you, are you maybe um, identifying some people to take the torch now, or you don't think that far? That's, they have to discover their calling in life, you know, as I mentioned. And we think that hopefully we'll nurture not just owners for the business, but there may be some leaders. Uh, and this is an interesting distinction. In a family, privately held family business, uh, there's a choice that you have about being involved in the management of the business but they don't have a choice on the ownership, stewardship of the business. They're gonna be the future owners of the business, but they may not be involved in the management of the business. You've gotta make sure that the management of the business has lots of competencies and that you're not compromising the quality of the leadership based on somebody's last name or family relationships. Clap that. that up, clap that up. So there's, there's a lot of case study, by the way. And if you're in a, involved in a family business, uh, there's a lot of case study out there about the ebb and flow of, of successful family businesses. But be mindful of the fact that only a third of family-owned businesses survive to the second generation. Only mm -hmm. a third. And far fewer than that survive into the third generation. So it's a rare thing, but you have to really lean into it. You have to get really, really smart, study best practices, if that's what you aspire to do, and ask God to anoint you with a lot of wisdom, and maybe it'll happen. I love it. Question for you. Um, because obviously you are an amazing leader, and if you have an assistant, right, your assistant will kind of adopt some of the things that you do, the way you think, the way you talk, but... Not only has your dad passed down customer service to you, but you've been able to spread to 350,000 employees customer service. And anywhere you go, it's the same story. We're going an extra mile on customer service. How do you permeate that through your entire organization? 350,000 people adopting this same operation. Well, that's a good question. In fact, I brought something with me to help us 
illustrate that. Can I? So I got no sandwiches in that bag. I, I got a couple of things in this sack okay. that uh, we'll talk about here, perhaps. Okay. And uh, one one of the things I brought here is a uh, conductor's baton. So the question, David, is about how do you how do we take um, service and how do we institutionalize it across the whole system? You know, it's like asking how to get two pickles consistently on a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And, and by the way, some of your parents should find this interest. We deal with a lot of teenagers. And we put those pickles on the sandwich, on a Chick-fil-A sandwich. We have to make sure those pickles are separated so that when you take a bite of the sandwich, you also get a little pie, this, this kosher dill pickle. The, the brawniness of the, of the saltiness of that pickle uh, juxtaposed the sweetness of the Chick-fil-A uh, chicken. I don't think McDonald's like considers all this. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances here. So the way we, we make sure those pickles are separated. So if we teach this to teenagers. We say we want to make sure that the tick the pickles date, but don't mate. That means they're supposed to kind of be a little separated and so forth there when they put those pickles on a Chick Fil A sandwich. So what's that got to do with this baton? You ask about service. So this is a point, if we're having, and we're having just a conversation, a visit here. I believe leaders of organizations have to have a very clear understanding of the experience they want their customers or guests to have in that business, whether it's a retail business. Or- What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply other service organizations. And so I use this illustration. I love music. I'm a musician. I played the trumpet. I was practicing early this morning, by the way. But when you, when you think about a, a piece of music, you have a composer that, that composes. I, I walked through a music library just yesterday in New York, and it was all stacked up. But you know, if I pull out a book off that shelf, all the notes are written there. The key is there. Uh, how loud or soft uh, pianissimo or forte is going to be in there and so forth. If it was an opera, there would be cues about um, uh, the dancers and the choreography of lighting and oh no, but it's, it's wonderfully clarified with the composition. 
So my encouragement to all of you is, is that there's a component about what you're doing, which you are the composer. Well, you have to decide with tremendous clarity of exactly what you want that sandwich to taste like or what that service experience is like. But if it's not clear, you're in big trouble by the time you begin to orchestrate uh, the, the performance. Uh, every note's got to be written down. And then you've got to make sure you select an orchestra and a conductor that can execute on the composition. And, and please do not dummy down the music based on the musicians sitting in the orchestra. Do not, do not dummy down the music. Don't change the score. Don't take all the 16th notes and make them all quarter notes just because you don't have the right people sitting in the orchestra. You got to get the, as Jim Collins says, you got to get the right people on the bus and the right seat on the bus to make this happen. But if this isn't clear, forget the rest of the bus. Because if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's going to be a fog in the pew, as they say in the preacher terms. So we got we got to have this right. That's good. Dude. Can I pick something out the bag? Sure. Pick one. You want to pick up something else? Uh, let's see. All right, this is interesting. No sandwiches, guys. No sandwiches. What's this for? What, what does that look like to you, David? <laughs> I was looking for the deep philosophy. It's, t- it's tissue paper. It's toilet paper. It's toilet paper. That's exactly right. So I find that there's leadership lessons. <laughs> I think there's leadership lessons we can get in all kinds of areas of life. And um, so a lot of y'all are staying in hotels perhaps here. And y'all may notice... Uh, I've noticed this over the years that if you stay in a hotel where they fold the toilet paper, you're probably going to pay about $100 a night more than those hotels that don't fold the toilet paper. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the idea that if all these swanky hotels can score points with me if they fold the toilet paper, since I spent a lot of time on the road traveling, I began to wonder. Would that work for me at home? Folding the toilet paper? Folding toilet paper. So I'm going to help you out here. I, I was able to meet your wife here just a little bit earlier. Uh, Ash, help me with the name again. Andrea. 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 Give Andrea a round of applause, right, my beautiful so, wife. All right. So, so David, I'm, I'm going to help you with this Andrea here. So I want you to set that mic to on. I want you to hold your two fingers like this. Okay, we're going we're gonna to show you how to do this. Now, folks, we want you to watch this carefully at home because you just, we all need to score points, you know? And it's the little details. Every now and then I ask my wife, I said, Rhonda, why am I folding this toilet paper? She said, because you love me. She gives me this little satire or something. So here's how you do it. So you, you, you fold this little deal right like here. I do a little right at the, right, and folks, make sure you do this right here. You make a little airplane out of it, just like this. You do this at home, Dan? I did all that. I'm not at home. I did public restrooms, too. Honestly, I do. You look, you set that down. You make sure you press this down like this. Look at that. Yeah. And that, that, that's, a little, that's a little detail. So here, what's, what's the leadership lesson about this? 
I believe a lot of life is about the details of life. It's about showing courtesy. It's about showing respect for other people. And if they figured it out at these swanky hotels, that that's the one little way they can show respect, then maybe I ought to adapt that in my lifestyle as well. And maybe there's some other things that I need to do to let my wife Rhonda uh, and others that I know uh, that are part of my family, that I really do love them. And it's about accumulating an inventory of words and attitudes and, and values and behaviors that we can consistently do. And if my wife was here, uh, she could honestly say that I'm very consistent and I've been that way for years. I'm just in the habit of, of doing it. And I love to do it at, at uh, you know, in public restrooms and so forth. I don't, I'd like to have a video camera, but video cameras aren't very popular in restrooms. But I'd love to get the, the reaction of people at the Atlanta airport when, you know, when they have to use the facilities. And Atlanta airport's got folded toilet tissue there waiting on them. That's, that's the kind of Atlanta I like to be a part of. Uh, I really wish my wife wasn't here. She's going, I'm going to hear about this toilet paper for the next two years, Dan. So thank you. Just, right. Thank you. I'll try, honey. One more, one more, one more, one more. This is, what's this? So this is a, this is a runner's baton. And uh, you uh, saw a picture of me tanning this baton, one like it, uh, to my son, Andrew. So here's the deal. Success oh, wow. is all about succession. Please get this. Uh, this is a John Maxwell quote. So if you build a successful organization and it dies when you do, it's awful to think that your life's work uh, you know, died in one generation. But if you can think about success being succession, who are you nurturing and grooming that's coming alongside you in this effort? Who can travel with you? Who can be with you? Uh, I'm very cognizant of that. When I travel, I always take younger people with me. Uh, we had uh, a trip this week in which we were visiting some of our suppliers in Indiana and, uh, and up there in Chicago, Illinois. And I took some of our supply chain people with us, but also took my younger son, uh, Ross, the other young son, and also his son with us. So we've got about two generations that I try to, you know, try to take people with me. So if your son or daughter uh, can be with you, don't miss that opportunity. You know, even when they're five, six, seven, eight years old, you'd be surprised at what they'll begin to subliminally pick up. The vocabulary. They watch your body language. They watch how fast you walk down a shopping mall, which I had to do back in the 60s and 70s, you know, with my dad, trying to keep stride with him. But um, if you do, your life's work, the message of your life expressed in your business enterprise can go from one generation to the next. And there's so much joy and knowing that uh, there are folks that are that are the sequel to the story that can carry it on. The organization appreciates that. They're really cheering us on that our family would stay strong, that our family would stay consistent, and that they can be a part of cheering on this next generation. So don't miss the baton. So we're all, we're never, not all of us are going to, we cannot carry this thing forever. We're going to have to pass this on. So here's how to pass this baton. It's not the four fastest runners, David, that runs the relay race. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I would think so. It's not the four fastest runners that run a relay. It's the team that gets the baton around the track first wins the race. Mm. 
clap that up. Did y'all catch it? Did you catch it? It's the team that gets the round, and, and the whole issue is about the art of the exchange. So would you like to know something about the exchange? Please. One is that the runners have to be in perfect balance together. The movement of the arms, they have to get all synced up. That means the values and knowledge and principles have got to be synced up, you know, for one generation to the next. Between the two runners, they Between have to Between the be, two runners, they wow. got to be all synced up. You don't want to be in disjointed succession where there's radical change that's going on. That's very upsetting to the rest of the organization. It doesn't need to be that. We need to be nurturing leaders that are synced up with our value system, our work ethic, our compassion, our values that we have in dealing with other people. Second thing, this is interesting, is that when you hand this baton off, um, you do not want to drop this baton. So the way that I best let go of this baton is when I feel you pulling this out of my hands. Yes. And so when you as a leader can, can know that there's somebody ready to take that baton out of your hands, the, the best transitions... What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, 
Boothang for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you know right now yet, you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code Big Deal. That triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. Secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use promo code BIGDEAL at checkout and get your tickets now. Don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights, take your brand to new heights, take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer, okay? I'll see you at the summit. and Don't forget to use promo code Big deal. The best leadership transitions are when the next leader is ready to lead, not when the current leader is ready to leave. And that's hard. That's hard. Because founders, so much of their identity for the founder generation is so wrapped up in that, in that enterprise, it's hard for them to to let go of that baton. They want to do it when it's their last dying, last breath. But if they do, if they wait that late, this is what they're going to hear. This is a sound effect. Now imagine you're in the Olympics and you poured your life into one in the Olympics and you did a great job. You worked hard uh, in life and you gave it everything you had and you passed the baton. But when you listen across the track, between the exchange of the third and the fourth generation, the second and third generation, and you hear this one more time for effect. And that's how awful it sounds. It's catastrophic. A lot of people pay the consequences when we, when we drop the baton. And we see the baton being dropped in business. We see it in athletics. We see it in government. And it's horrific. And a lot of people pay the consequences, but it doesn't have to be that way. Can you give me some signs of knowing when it's time to let go? No. Because it's even more its even more scary to give it to someone that you, maybe you thought was ready, but they're not. Like, What are some signs to tell when someone else is ready? Well, you'll see it in their performance. And the case of Andrew, uh, who's uh, 43 years old, um, in 2020, that's a very relevant story. When we had a lot of the social unrest issues uh, and the awful things that we saw going on, uh, social inequities, racial inequities, uh, uh, all the shootings and so forth took place. Uh, it was a very disturbing thing. We were all under, we were all separated because of COVID, but we're all having to deal with the situation. And um, uh, it was one of a number of different things that my son Andrew did when he stepped up into a leadership role within the organization. He took the microphone and he says, we're going to have some difficult conversations and we're going to have our executive committee and we're each going to take on seven different groupings of difficult conversations with our Chick-fil-A corporate staff to talk about um, uh, racial inequities within Chick-fil-A and ones that our people are having to deal with on a day-by-day basis. And they were heartbreaking conversations. I, for the first time, I didn't know about the talk that you have to have as a black parent with a teenager about what happens if you're able, you have to pull off the side of the road. I have to say, I'd never had that conversation 
with uh, African-American parent. I didn't know about it, but I certainly learned about it uh, in, in these little small group conversations that Andrew orchestrated. He stepped up. He stepped up in a lot of different ways uh, in the business. And, you know, both leaders are not just voted in the boardroom. They're voted on in the elevator. They're, they're mm-hmm. voted on by the rank and file of the people that identify with this new emerging leader and their willingness and desire to want to follow that leader. Uh, and I pray to God for all of us that we would nurture uh, sons and daughters or maybe even non-family members that have the courage and the work ethic and the acumen to be able to step up to the plate. Give me, oh, we're running out of time. I, I, got, I got to touch on this. Can I get five more minutes? Can I get five? It's two minutes, okay. The, uh, first off, can I have a franchise? Can I have a franchise? So, that, yeah, we'll be happy to give you an application. <laughs> but last year we had 81,000 applicants and, and we selected uh, about 120 out of the 81,000 applicants. So, Rashad was telling me that you guys like are one of the most, pro- like the most profitable franchise in terms of the the owners of these franchises like are guaranteed to make five six hundred thousand dollars. Is that true? No, sir. They're not guaranteed. There's no guarantee in on entrepreneurship. Yeah. Uh, there's always risk. Yeah. There's big risks that are involved. And in the Chick Fil A system, we've been able to introduce entrepreneurship, even though we provide all the capital for one of our operators to operate the location. We buy the land, we build it, we equip it. And we turn that over to an individual to operate uh, as their own business. And then uh, their performances and the income they receive is based on the sales and the profits that that business generates. We share also in the rewards of their performance in sales and in profits. Uh, fortunately, the, the way the metrics of that works out from a, from a sales volume standpoint, it provides a tremendous income for our restaurant operators. And they stay with us. They don't, they don't leave us. Uh, average operator income is well over a half million dollars a year annually for one location. Mm. And we enjoy a 98% retention rate among our restaurant operators. Only 2% turnover. And so when you have that kind of loyalty and commitment to one another, uh, you, you begin to grow these cycles of next generation leaders that come up into the business. About 70% of our operators, David, were actually hourly team members that just stayed with us and now they're running their own businesses. Wow. So we're all about upward mobility. Then um, the clock has run out, but like I need like another hour to have a conversation. I'm going to come down to the I said, when we got on the call, I said, Mr. Kathy, it's nice to meet you. And he said, well, my friends call me Dan. I said, are we friends, Dan? He said, yeah, so tell them we're friends. Yeah, y'all call good, me right? Dan, please. We're good? Okay. <laughs> Make, makes our food taste better that way. Yes, sir. So um, we, we got to go, but um, can you leave us with any closing words? Yeah. So I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, my heart and encouragement all of you is de- desire. The desire to be successful is a very noble thing in life. Uh, success is about becoming the total person God wants you to be and accomplishing the goals that God helps you to set for your life. You want to be the total person God wants you to be 
mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. You ignore any one of those four, mentally, emotionally, physically, or you ignore and not be the person, total person that God wants you to be. It's, it's going to be a wrecking ball. It's going to be catastrophic. It's going to be a disaster. And we see that in media all over the place, in, in sports or government or private enterprise, where somebody does something really stupid. I mean, they were incredibly smart and they were very passionate and they were in great shape physically, but they had a moral failure you know, in their life and it's catastrophic. But it's also success as about accomplishing the goals that God helps us to set for our life. And God-inspired goals will always exceed your checkbook and your calendar. They will always be big, hairy, audacious goals. So go for it. Go for it. Be the total person God wants you to be and go after it and accomplish the goals that God helps you to set for your life. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Kathy, you can do better than that. Come on now. Generational wealth on three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Hello. Make some noise again in Best Fest for Jan Kathy. I'll give you one of these times. I'll get you one. Yeah. So, so. Thank you so much. In Best Fest 2022, what's going on? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.